Pop Culture Affidavit, Episode 79, Adults Love Comics at the 2017 Baltimore Comic Con. And welcome to episode 79 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. This episode is part two of my Baltimore Comic Con coverage for 2017. Last time around, I shared footage of and discussions about the Kids Love Comics activities and the Kids I View, courtesy of Brett, who attended the comic convention again with me this year, his second time in a row. This time around for this episode, much like last year, I'm going to discuss the more, well, I don't want to say adult, because that doesn't sound very, you know, legit. It sounds a little too illicit. Let's so let's just say traditional reasons that we adult comics fans would tend to co- attend a comic convention. That, of course, is stuff like meeting creators and getting their signatures, and as well as buying lots and lots of stuff. And to talk about it with me is a first-time guest to the show, but one of the most recognizable names in the Two True Freaks, the podcasting machine himself, Gene Hendricks. How are you doing today, Gene? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Tom? Good. I'm doing well. It's been a... October is a kind of a crazy month, and it's only the beginning, so... <laughs> You're in for a long ride, aren't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> Lots of, of weekend soccer games and conferences and all the, all this other stuff but uh it's worth it though i i, I always love it's because it's finally starting to cool off a little bit down here so i'm like oh thank god yeah it's uh, same up here we have cold mornings and then warm afternoons this is like my my ideal time of year yeah so um it was a no-brainer that i was gonna go um for the last couple of years there have there has been that moment of hesitation in the spring toward the spring, uh, where I was like, well, do I really need to go this year? Should I try another convention? I couldn't make it to Heroes Con in Charlotte because I was at Universal Studios Orlando at that time, and that was the one that Shag and Stella and Rob and the Sutherlands and a bunch of other people were at. So um, you you went south while Shag came north. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and it was like... There had I had I had the means I could have probably popped into Charlotte, done like a walk on cameo to the whole thing, and then left. I mean, there was like a day overlap, you know, oh. between it. But it just again, it was a family vacation. So Brett Brett had a lot of fun last year. So he said, "Are we going to go again? Are we going to go again?" I said, "You know what? Let's go ahead and go." And then and I I um, emailed uh, the convention goer, the convention people for the press pass once they were available and they, they gave it to me again and uh, this was Brett's last year as I said last episode as a quote kid mm. in other words because kids 10 and under get in for free 
um, and he wear he wears a costume. He wore Captain he wore his Captain America costume, uh, which was slightly funny. Um, he really sold it in like all the pictures. Yeah, I, all the ones I saw, he, he yeah. is super serious yeah. every single He's one. doing the super serious thing. The thing that cracks me up is the, the costume was too short because <laughs> he grew like two inches because he it was last year's Halloween costume. Uh, so, yeah, and that was the previous year he had done Darth Vader, and he was Darth he was Darth Vader the previous Halloween, so this year he's going to be Finn from Adventure Time, and uh, so he'll probably wear that next year unless he decides to do something else. But what was funny was that we took one picture because there was a guy standing in line at the beginning of the convention who who loved his costume, and he asked if he could get a picture of him. Uh, and it was uh, we put the mask on, and the mask was like way too small, so that's why he was walking around without the mask. Okay, <laughs> it's Captain America because it just didn't fit. So, but yeah, he he had a great time. Um, so you had, I guess, expressed interest in it back in the spring because this was your first trip down there for that convention. So what um, what inspired you to go? To well, Baltimore. A uh, couple things. Uh, the the major one is, and I, I don't mean to bring the room down or anything. But this was our first post-dog trip. Mm. Uh, both of our dogs died earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally, anytime we're going somewhere, it would be, all right, well, it's either a day trip or we have to board the dogs. <laughs> and yeah. so boarding the dogs really didn't happen unless it was going to Florida or visiting my parents over Christmas week. Otherwise, it was day trips, and we could have done it, but that would have been Baltimore's kind of outside that comfort zone as far as that goes. So without the dogs, we were able to say, hey, we can do an overnight trip, no problem. Uh, the other factor, beyond meeting you and everyone else that showed up that we didn't realize we were going to be there... Uh, yeah, we'll get I, to that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that both Walt and Louise Simonson were going to be there. And anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Simonson Thor fan. I love Louise's work on the Marvel and the DC stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, they're going to be there. I can meet Tom and Brett. And it's not that expensive. No. What the heck? Yeah, because the the going price for a ticket, for a single-day ticket, I think is in the... 30s at this point some yeah it's something like that uh the for in front of me uh but what what we ended up doing is because both our whole family myself my wife and our daughter went down mm-hmm. uh kira being nine got in for free yes and so we got uh the two uh we actually got the three-day passes because if you the way it worked out is if you bought Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday, it was the exact same price as a three day pass. Oh, okay. And this way we got the wristbands and we didn't have to check in each day. Oh, that that's really convenient. Yeah. So I figured, what the heck, yeah. and and only one transaction fee per ticket that way. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. And we we got a hotel for the night, and that. that we just figured it would be a nice test. See, okay, can we do weekend trips, really? 
Yeah. Uh, because another one I would like to do, being where we are, is go to Gettysburg, because I love Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle and I were there when we were engaged, uh, but Kira has never been there. Hmm. And she, believe it or not, this kid loves history. So it would be an interesting trip for us. That Baltimore for, for us is about two-hour drive. Gettysburg would be about two and a half, three hours. Yeah. So we figured this was a good test bed. I tried to give you as much background as I could because yeah, I was and, going for quite a while. And that was really, really helpful. I, I thank you for, for doing that. Now, we didn't, uh, we didn't attend any of the panels. We were more mm-hmm. interested in just getting the lay of the land, you know, yeah. and wandering around the floor and all that. But yeah, just just your advice as far as okay, well, this is how it's set up. Uh, make sure you t- look uh, look for this as far as creator signings. Oh, and the kid area is great, and mm-hmm. yeah, all all that was extremely helpful. Thank you very much. Cool. Hey, you're welcome. I am. Um, <clears throat> I've always wanted to do one more day there. It's just convenience and inconvenience of taking off work and. Family, no family, whatever. Maybe one day I'll do a multi-day show. Have you done a comic convention other than Baltimore in the past? Yes. Uh, we. I've been to New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I did that once. That was enough. <laughs> it, That's what I've heard from a number of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's. it would be different if I was living on Long Island like Paul Spataro, mm-hmm. where it's more convenient, but just... The, this is why we lived in North Jersey, and it was uh, before Kira was around. So Michelle and I went, and it was just insanely crowded. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you could not move, and yeah, you know, it's half the time I'm thinking, does the fire marshal know what's going on here? <laughs> no. And it's it was not a pleasant experience, and it, mm-hmm. it's also. It it wasn't. I'm um, <laughs> I'm gonna tread into get off my lawn cast territory, <laughs> but it wasn't a comic convention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the comic stuff was off in this little corner. Yeah, everything else was the big movie productions and TV stories. I don't care. I'm yeah. there for comics. Uh, and then a f- couple years ago. Uh, we had the the two true freaks table at the first Atlantic City Boardwalk Con. Yes, and that was that was more like Baltimore, uh, a little more haphazard because it was mm-hmm. their first year, but the same level of uh, attendance, I would say. Gotcha. You know, a good amount of people there, nice selection of vendors and creators. Uh, that's where I first met Peter David. Mm-hmm. Uh, had real nice conversation with him. And we had we had a really good time, and that we were there for the whole weekend. That's cool. That's cool. There's one that started up in D.C. a few years ago called Awesome Con, and it's always been on the same weekend that I have to attend and work a high school graduation. So perhaps one year I won't have to do that. I'll be able to go to that. And there are smaller – there's a Richmond one that's uh, very much like – I've never been to it. I think it's probably on the level of, like, say, the Eternal Con one that's out on Long Island that Paul's gone to. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I was there with him for one. Yeah. yeah, I think it's on that level. Prior to Baltimore, the only show I'd ever been to was back in the early 90s at the Nassau Coliseum, and that was almost like a, what we would consider a very traditional comics and cards show. Okay. Where it was there were I I know there were like two or three creators there. I know Todd McFarlane was there and a couple of other image guys at the time because this was like about 1993. And but it was just table after table of almost like flea market style of just back issues and back issues and back issues some sports cards, some other memorabilia and stuff and you would just go around and you spent your money and you left and the tickets were like 10 bucks or something. And I do appreciate the fact that the price of this convention. Now, granted, I don't, I, I haven't had to pay for this convention in like four years. Hmm. But if they said, no, we're not giving you a press pass anymore, I could still afford to go. Whereas yeah, with like San Diego or something, or New York even, if I can get, if, if I were to try to go and I couldn't get a press pass, I probably would have to seriously consider whether or not I could afford a ticket. And also like San Diego and New York, they sell out so quick. Yeah. It's like concert tickets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so even if you, if you couldn't yeah. get a press pass, you wouldn't have an opportunity yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah. I will say the one convention that I would love to attend one year, just, just for attending it would be dragon con mainly because I've heard Mike, do so many episodes over the years and the one thing that i i this baltimore is a comic convention so you're not going to get a lot of panels like the ones he does but like i want to sit in on those panels yeah yeah Uh, i want to i want to i want to ask what like i want to be there in the room when he's doing it and i'm I'm so glad he does this episode so like like way one year i'll plan try to plan a dragon con yeah my my only reservation with dragon con is it's not so much family oriented no no that would be something i go by myself (laughs) yeah uh the one that i'm now interested in and this is uh a bunch of our friends do this every single year also in baltimore is sure leave okay and and that is a fan-run convention uh primarily science fiction Ooh. So, uh, it's, as you can guess from the name, uh, yeah. a lot of Star Trek, Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, you know, that that kind of thing. And they have celebrities there, but it's not, like, uh, not a regimented thing. So, like, when um, you could go to the bar and run into whoever, hmm. you know, whoever the celebrities were. I know... Um, when he was alive, Jerry Doyle would go and he, he would just go to all the room parties and just have a blast. Hmm. So that's, that's the one thing. And it sounds like a lot, a lot of the programming there is more on the family side because I know my, uh, the one family we know they bring their son down. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it sounds like it might be a little better for us <laughs> yeah. to try out than Dragon Con. Plus, I can drive there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, Baltimore has added some celebrity guests over the last few years, but I've noticed they have all been very specifically comic show or movie created um, related, or they have been, by extension, 
you know, a little bit in the science fiction realm. I know Peter Mayhew was there one year. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, okay, that's acceptable. Um, I think the the least comic booky one they had a couple of years ago was Sean Astin. Oh, but still, okay. Lord of the Rings, there's that fantasy yeah. element. But, you know, uh, the, and, but this year they had a bunch of people from Gotham and the Flash, uh, uh, and a couple of the other, a couple of the other comic book related TV shows, uh, like, I, I, um, why am I trying to guess? I have the program right now. <laughs> That's, I brought the program down for a reason. Um, Jessica Henwick, who is on, um, is on Game of Thrones. Uh, Finn Jones, who played Iron Fist. Um, Stefan Kapisic, Kapisic, who played uh, Colossus in uh, in Deadpool, um, David Mazuz as the who's young Bruce Wayne on Gotham, and then Sean Pertwee, who is also on Gotham. So you're they're they're pulling from they're pulling like like for like. You're not going to get somebody who's completely out of left field, who's like you know the stars of the Hangover or something, <laughs> where you're like you know what? Wh- why are you here at a comic book convention? They're they're related to comics. Haley Atwell was there a few years ago, but I think like my time at the convention and her time at the convention did not coincide because I totally would have gotten her autograph because I have a total crush on Haley Atwell. But yeah, well, that, that was like this year. Linda Carter was there, but only on Friday night. Friday night, yeah. Yeah, so, but even then, and you noticed this, they kept that whole area off to, like, the side. Right. Uh, mainly so that with line control. And line control was actually done pretty well at this, play, at this thing. And they've got, um, they have a, uh, they have a really good system for how they lay this out. And I've always been impressed with this, uh, where they have your... They have the, the creators are kind of peppered throughout that front portion because uh, you know people like Marv Wolfman and Mike Zach and Mike Zach wasn't there. Michael Golden uh, were on were kind of in one little corner and toward the front, and then like you know Jerry Ordway and the Simonsons were a little in the back. But Artist Alley is a little bit further back, and the Kids Love Comics thing is sort of you know in, at one point you know in its own little area, and then there's you can see where there's different shops in. Uh, in their area. So they, they, they lay it out pretty well and it's pretty A, it's pretty easy to navigate, but B, it's also pretty easy to get turned around really quickly. <laughs> That's why we had the map. Yes. And there's a reason I earned my orienteering merit badge. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we are both relatively speaking, I've I've done Disney and I did Universal, so the last four years I've done theme parks. Mm-hmm. And if you count a trip to Bush Gardens a couple of years before that, I've done five theme parks since Brett was born. Uh, six if you count Teens Dominion. But anyway, Disney three years in a row, and then we did Universal. So we are good, at, and you've done Disney quite a few times. Yes. We're both good with navigating crowds. We're both good. When the chips are down, I am sure that you and I could get what we wanted out of one specific Disney experience. For instance, <laughs> Jedi Training Academy, mm-hmm. which the year we went, what was this, their second year there, I think it was. Um, it was the first or second year there, and we were going to take Brett to Jedi Training Academy, and you had to be at Hollywood Studios at Rope Drop and get down to the sign-up area, and it was like a mad sprint. <laughs> But, like, 
and, and you had to have your kid with you. Right. That you was could, important. You, yeah, you couldn't just have the parent show up yeah. and sign up for it. Yeah. yeah, so this was like, you know, this was how fast can you run the 40? And we were, I mean, we don't mess around. We're going to do this, we're going to do this now, and we did it, and we got it, and we have some great pictures out of it, even though it was like 90 degrees, and like you're sweating, and he's sweating in that Jedi robe. He had a blast. So push comes to shove, if, we, if there were people we needed to meet and rush through, but I never feel that way there. Like, I never feel that there's pressure to, you know, because there's so many and things like that. Um, but, yeah, you do get turned around quite a bit. And uh, my question is, because we get there early. Mm-hmm. Brett and I arrive right around the time that they start giving out press passes and things like that on Saturday morning. And the major reason for that is to avoid traffic coming up from Virginia because, you you get on 95 after a certain point in the morning in Virginia and it's just a it's a nightmare you're right. sitting in traffic so we leave early we pack breakfast and um we just sit around and hang out he played on his iPad we went through the program and he was and he asked me if he could go to that panel that we went to about amulet and I was like sure uh, so that's how we ended up at that panel but you weren't there at to use the disney phrase <laughs> rope drop was it easier harder to was it any did you have any difficulty getting in or was no it just... actually no we got there a little after noon because uh, the way we did is we we drove down uh got to the hotel checked in got everything in the room i went through okay this is what i'm putting in the backpack for today and then we came we came down to the convention center so we got there about i could say about twelve thirty. We uh, got to where, yeah, got the wristbands. Mm-hmm. Then we went and wandered around a little bit, uh, figure out, okay, this is what on this level, that's what's on this level. Went all the way down to the basement, walked right in, and that's why I texted you saying, hey, we're head, we're in now, we're going to Tom Zoller. Mm-hmm. And that's where you and I met. No, I, yeah. I did not have any problem getting in at all. Cool, cool. Yeah, because we had... Um... Since I drive that, since I drive up and I go back like the same day, so I don't stay overnight or anything, um, we make a trip back to the car mm-hmm. at some point. I've been parking at this garage. It's about a block over and a block up off of Lombard Street. Um, that I got th- that there's an app in that area, and it might be in multiple cities, but Baltimore has it called Parking Panda. And you can prepay all day parking at certain garages in the Baltimore area. And I think I paid like fifteen dollars to park all day, and I'm just and which to me is a bargain. That is you know, really good. Yeah, yeah. Coming from a city like New York or Washington D.C., where it's like you know you'll pay through the nose to park all day. Um, so that's what we usually do around like eleven thirty. We went to the we went to Jimmy John's and mm-hmm. got lunch and then we walked over to the car and walked back and then we, we ended up running into you well it's good to hear because i had i didn't want to make the assumption that you wouldn't have a problem going in in the afternoon just kind of walking right in but it did seem to me having done the thing where i go to lunch come back um that it was never an issue that the lines you know there's a kind of a after the initial line there's almost like a, a really well regulated flow yeah, it it, se- it it seemed like everyone knew where they wanted to go, mm-hmm. uh, and even 
they had the the weapon check area for yes. the, the cosplayers. That only had like three or four people. Mm-hmm. So it it seemed like everything was just moving nice and smooth, which was really really good to see. Yeah. I um uh now what the what the convention does is you can get your program, you get your program right there the at its at its put together obviously like a comic book. I and I like their program. I I might have last year's somewhere too. Um but you their website updates their guest list and artist alley on a pretty regular basis. Um up to the convention, and I think I want to say like a week to ten days board before the convention, you can download a PDF copy of the program. Um, and my convention prep is me printing out that initial list of artists and artist alley and everything, and and and, and the and the featured guests, and making almost like an omnibus list of okay, who do I have stuff by that would be interesting to get signed, and it's huge, and then I have to pare it down. And even next year, I think I'm going to pare it down even more to maybe picking out like four or five people, as opposed to like the ten I went in with stuff with and didn't even. And just at one point in the in the in the morning, it was like, ah, well, you know what? I'm not going to get to Mark Wade, right? You know, and I met Mark Wade twice already, and they were like, you know, and I prioritized my list, because um, I also have a rule: is I never bring anything more than I can carry on my back, right? I'm and not. That's just- yeah, you're, uh, you're not gonna ha- be one of these people with a rolling suitcase. I'm not full the old lady. Yeah, I'm not the old lady. Uh, the old lady shopping cart thing. You know, the one walking <laughs> away from the Safeway. Yeah, I, I can't do that. Uh, plus, I got a kid with me, and he's got his stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your prep like? Are you as anal retentive as I am? Or... Uh, uh, yeah, actually, when when we first decided to go, I did the same thing. I printed the list off. I'm like, okay, going down. It's like. Who who do I want to see? And just circling people I recognize the names, know I got stuff for, and that ended up being like twenty creators. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, these now are not on a maybe list. These are you know Simonson definitely, um, Jerry uh, Jerry Ordway definitely, Marv Wolfman definitely, you know Tom Zoller definitely. These these are the ones I know I I want to get. And I, I pared it down quite a bit to the point where, uh, and this was nice about going the two days, is I was able to get everybody ah, that, I, that, that I brought except for uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Manic Connor. Because they just had insane lines whenever I went by. <laughs> they have insane lines, and he runs a couple of panels too and so did she so yeah i met him once like two or three years ago and it was great and i wanted to see him again too because he is and you'll find this if you get the chance to meet him when you ever hear him talk to somebody on a podcast from a convention he is great he'll give you a story about just about anything you bring to the table with mm-hmm. him so, yes. yeah, I wasn't able to. I, I, that was one of the cuts that I made while we were there. I was just like, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then I heard that, oh, well, you know, you can go over there. They'll sign three things for free, and that's like $10 per item after. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. The thing is, it's like um, the only person I've actually paid a decent amount of money for a signature for was I did get Neil Adams' signature last year, and that's a thirty dollars signature. But I was like, you know, I have I have a book 
this gorgeous book called Leaping Tall Buildings that has all these interviews and these great photographs of comics creators. And I've been collecting signatures in it over the years. And Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams are in there. Mm. And I was like, well, you know what? You know, Stan's not going to come to this convention again. He came years ago. I didn't pay the amount of money, which is a lot of money to get Stan's signature. He's like $100. Yeah, it's like $100 signature. I didn't have $100. But I was like, well, with Neil Adams... I'll pony up 30 bucks. All right, right. once, right? And Denny O'Neill was free, so I, I had a nice conversation with him. But other than that, it was like most of the time I paid for signatures there were um, – I knew going in Michael Golden charges, but he charges like it's like five bucks or something. Mm-hmm. But I've known that because I've gotten a couple over the years. Marv Wolfman was charging because all of the signatures, all the money went to the Hero Initiative. And that's where I don't mind buying them because they're going to a pretty worthy cause. Exactly, in yes. In my mind. And then uh, Jerry Ordway had the cause of Bibbo's Beer Fund, which was... Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that sign. I should have taken a picture of it. Uh there were like two bucks a signature too, and that 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 was reasonable. I totally understand though why Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor would start charging ten bucks a signature after the first few because it, it just it dissuades these people bringing you know a enormous stack of comics. Yeah, enormous stacks of comics, and then hawking them on eBay right for triple the price. Yeah. They're, they're they're trying you know they're, they're trying to get as many people as possible and they're basically trying to you know cut down on that. I guess I guess speculators is the wrong word to use, but those types you know the the um the the get rich quick so to speak the I'm gonna make a buck off of this types right. So, and I totally understand, especially since they are very you know hot in that sense. Yeah, and and I think I don't remember. 100%. But I, I want to say like two-thirds of the creators that I got signatures for were collecting for the Heroes Initiative. So mm-hmm. I had absolutely no yeah. problem. And that's that's actually an interesting story because uh, and that was an unintentional pun. I'm sorry. <laughs> the second day, I went to get the uh, three Nightwing comics signed by Carl oh, Story, mm-hmm. who was the inker. And so I'm I'm up there. He's all alone. Hi, how are you? Love your work on Nightwing. Uh, um, Kira was with me, and I had to point it. Oh yeah, see, he did the the ink work on these, and so he signs them. You know, very nice guy. And I dropped twenty dollars in the Heroes Initiative because it's a great cause. What mm-hmm. the hell? And he says, "Hang on a second. He reaches, goes under his pile of stuff, pulls out a print. Apparently, he the only thing he still has from Nightwing is the cover to issue number seven. So what he did is he took a high-quality picture of it, then made prints out of that picture. Oh, cool. So he pulled that out, signed it, and handed it to me. Oh, that's awesome. That It's amazing. I was like, oh, wow, thank you very much. Yes. I'm going to go get a protector for this right now. <laughs> Brett got... Um... Brett met uh, one of the guys who writes SpongeBob, Greg uh, Schlegel, Schlegel or Schlegel, and because um, we had gone through a bunch of his comics and we had matched names to names on the list, so he got 
basically for like, we we didn't swing by Franco's booth because the the every time we went by there there was a line where we we're like all right we wanted to do something else, but he went and met Greg Schlegel who's been writing SpongeBob and he he signed so many com- he signed a bunch of comics and then he gave Brett a free print of all these Marvel heroes he had drawn. Like classic Spidey Cap, Thor, wow. Hulk thing. It's a really cool looking print. It's, so I'm going to have that framed. And then um, Brett met Ramona Freydon again, and you know she's 91 and still doing conventions because she had done a pinup or two in in a couple of SpongeBob issues. So she signed them. And last year he had he had brought a Super Friends comic that he owns because he had found it in like a 50 cent bin at my LCS. And and she had signed that, so that was cool. it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I got to introduce him to Marv Wolfman, which I was pretty psyched about because a I met Marv a couple of years ago and he was very nice, but b like Brett's a Teen Titans fan like I am, so I got to be all this is the guy who created all the Teen Titans that you watch on TV all the time. He watches uh, Teen Titans and Teen uh, Titans Go. Who's your favorite character? Um, That's what I would have assumed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I guess it was inevitable. I've been reading the Titans since uh, the early 90s. Are you excited for the TV show? Oh, uh, the Titan show? Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously. I'm waiting to see what they do. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I haven't read the script or anything, so... uh, but I'm really excited about the concept because Jeff Johns is doing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What channel is it going to be on? Uh, it's not. It's on a uh, streaming network that hasn't yet started. So, I'm not even sure how I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a lot of people who want to. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> We're gonna, well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to see you. So, who were like you? You mentioned the Simonsons. Yes. The well, the 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 first stop we did was Tom Zoller, where mm-hmm. I got. I have the first. I have twelve of the first thirteen Loving Capes issues. Uh-huh. So I got him to sign those, and then Kira. Uh, being a nine-year-old girl, <laughs> loves My Little Pony, so she got a no. <laughs> a My Little Pony trade that he signed and drew. He asked, hey, what's your favorite pony? She said, Twilight Sparkle, so we did a quick sketch of Twilight oh, that's cool. on the inside. Uh, and then from there, uh, you would point me in the direction of the Jerry Ordway waiting area. Yes. <laughs> which was... a a very nice way for them to do it. Uh, for those that weren't there, the way they had it set up is you would go to this one area for uh, signatures because Jerry's sketch list was already full. Yeah. So you go to this one less area for signatures, and they bring you over four at a time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't really wait that long. I was waiting while um, Michelle and Kira went and got something to eat. Yeah. More on that area later. And so eventually I get over there and <laughs> Jerry's sitting there and he says, uh, if you just hang on a second, I really need to get this sketch started. So he takes a blank piece of paper and he just sketches Mary Marvel just instantly almost. And <laughs> this is one of the funniest stories of the whole convention. He's sitting there doing this facing away 
like he he had a corner booth, so he's facing towards the side of what the booth was. Behind him, I can't remember who was next to him. His but there daughter, was, right? No, well, his daughter in the same booth. I mean, the next booth over. Oh, oh, oh okay. And whoever's there is uh, got someone, big guy, talking to him, uh, definitely in his outside voice. <laughs> so Jerry's sitting there sketching, and he said, not looking up. He said, um, don't, you know, tell me if I'm right or not, but guy sounds a little uh, like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> I look over and I said, yeah, you're pretty much right on. <laughs> and then Jerry and I proceed to quote Foghorn Leghorn back and forth to each other <laughs> and get into this whole discussion on Looney Tunes and the Golden Collection DVDs and everything. It was terrific. That's awesome. And then, uh, I can't... Oh. We, we... Kira was the... Kira and Michelle had come up by then. And she, Kira had said something. Uh, a pronunciation thing. And I said, no, no, it, it's it's pronounced like K. You know, a hard C. And Jerry looked at her and said, what's your name? And she said, Carrie. Yeah, which is her real name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he looked... And give give me a face, you know, give him like a mean face. He's, he's, <laughs> she does, and he says, "Okay, do that face, and your superhero name can be the Hard C." <laughs> it was it was terrific. That's the man awesome. is hilarious. Yeah, he was he was really nice to me uh, and to Brett. We had a great uh, we had a great time meeting him. Because uh, he was top of my list, uh, mainly because Mike Bailey had mailed me a small stack of comics to get signed for him, okay. which he did last year with Dan Jurgens as well. And uh, and so we we had no problem waiting in line. And then Brett had oh like three or four SpongeBob comics, and uh, and I had um, let's see. Uh, it was uh, what the ones that I got because I can I, I took pictures of the, the signatures I had so I had him sign my co- one copy of the the wedding album uh, oh, which has nice. well there's an interesting story to that is that um, uh, sadly this goes back a number of years but the the original owner of my local comics store passed away and uh, he you know the guys who are running it now he basically he, he knew he was dying he had cancer and as he was you know <clears throat> as it was moving along he he essentially sold the business to the guys who were working for him and uh Bo is his name um still has his mom still has just long box after long box after long box in their basement uh and I was in the my I was in the store right before the convention and they had this stack of Superman the wedding album sitting on the counter I said I said what are you guys like you know, cleaning something out. Like, did somebody? I said, did somebody drop off a collection? <laughs> and they said, no. They, Bo's got like two hundred long boxes, you know, in this house, whatever. And they were like, these are free. So I grabbed two of them. Wow. Because I knew I was going to the convention. And now they're not; they're in decent condition, except there's a little bit of yellowing around the edges of the white cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got Jerry Ordway to sign it. But I also got Barry Kitson and Louise Simonson to sign it for both me and for Mike. And I put that in, in Mike's bag. I also got Jerry to sign um, 
my panic, the cover to my panic in the sky trade from nice. the early nineties, which has already has, um, several other people's signatures on it because I've been taking it there over the years. Uh, my copy is Superman number 53, which mm-hmm. is that gorgeous cover of Superman standing in front of a American flag saluting. Right. And he signed my crisis on infinite earths hardcover, the one that came out in the late nineties, the original hardcover. Which oh, I, yeah. Is that the one with the Alex Ross dust jacket? Yes, the slipcase. Yeah, yeah, so he he signed the exact same thing for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I already had Marv Wolfman and George Perez's signatures in there. Yeah, I got so, yeah. I got the, uh, Jerry to sign that. I also got Marv to sign that. Yeah. And I got them both to sign Adventures of Superman 424. Yeah, I got them to sign <laughs> that for Mike and Marv signed another one of the Adventures of Superman issues for Mike as well. Cool. And uh, and also just cause I always love bringing a random comic just or something that just to me is like you know this is kind of quirky to bring and I mm-hmm. Jerry did a Tales of the Teen Titans cover from the reprint era and it's Nightwing oh. and Starfire like being all lovey dovey and it's a really nice cover it's actually beats the it's better than the cover that was to the Baxter edition because the Baxter edition cover was an Edward Barreto cover that just didn't look very good mm. and uh, nothing against Edward Barreto it's just not a very good cover. And um, it's this romance cover with, with Nightwing and Starfire, so I had him sign that, and he explained a little bit about, you know, how they told me about how that came about. And then I immediately texted it to Stella. Um, <laughs> how are you doing? Do you want to give him your SpongeBob comics? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. These were fun to do. Um, how long did it take to draw those? It takes usually like a day to draw a page for me. And like the cover, same thing. You have to do like a sketch first, and then you, when you do the cover, you have to get it approved, and then it comes back. And sometimes they they spend more time on it. Like they might change, or you need to do this or that. Like this one, I think I had to add more textures to it because they wanted it to look weird. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's an oddball looking cover. I just kept saying, "Are you sure?" And say, "Yeah, yeah." <clears throat> Did you want this signed to you at all, or just signed? You can, can have you do it to me? You just want like maybe one of them signed to you or all both? Yeah. So then which one would you like signed to um, you? This that one. one? So I'll sign it on his belly. Is that okay? Thank you. Uh oh, I got my first Sharpie tattoo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these are mine. Cool. Um, Find a space in the yeah, cover to sign. This is a good spot over here. <laughs> this is one of my all-time favorite Superman oh, covers. Thanks. I know this is a completely random cover, but I always, I'm, I'm a huge Titans fan. And I love, I actually really love the way you did that cover. Yeah, it was kind of a, I, I think the only time I'd done a cover on Titans. I may have done one with Ink, maybe Ink Jurgens or something, but I, that one was like, oh, they really needed one. And the, the editorial coordinator said it's going to be a love one, and I really think you should be you'd be good to do it. Well, these markers are like a little inconsistent. Yeah. I appreciate it. Those prices is prices have got me into DC back when I started collecting. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Love your costume. Thank you. And you're like he's a, he can like hold the shield and move through all the crowd. That's <laughs> part of what, the reason I bought it. <laughs> all right, take care. How you doing? But Jerry Ordway and then the other 
two or three that I was like, I've got to get these people uh, were Marf Wolfman and then and Michael Golden. And Michael Golden and I had a great conversation about the Savage Tales issues that I had him sign, which had his, which had him and Doug Murray's fifth to the first, the precursor to the Nam, oh, black and white strip in it, and an old 1970s era literary adaptation comic where they did three stories by Edgar Allan Poe. Hmm. The Pit and the Pendulum, The Telltale Heart, and The Cask of Amontillado, and he did The Cask of Amontillado, and he did the artwork. And I had found that in a random bin a couple of years ago and, and brought it there, so I had a chance to talk to him about it. It was That was that was kind of fun, too. You're the Batman, because I absolutely love your take on Batman. Well, thank you, sir. Was, uh, the, uh, the Savage Tales one, this is the, where the, uh, the two two of the, those fifth to the first stories, the pre-NOM ones, and I, I, yep. I cover the NOM, and I talked to, on a podcast, and I, I talked to Doug Murray last year, I was just curious as to how... Just on the cover? Or yeah, just on the cover. I was just curious how you got, um, how you met Doug, and how you how you ended up on, on this uh, project with him. Uh, well, that is a very long and convoluted story. Uh, I was brought into the 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 nom by virtue of this. Mm-hmm. I was wondering uh, how you got this. Well, this was Larry Hama, the editor on this book, created. It wanted to create a black and white magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have a name for it. We were talking about it, and I said, "Well, why don't you just revive the Savage Tales title, thus mm-hmm. Savage Tales." Uh, and then he said, well, you know, he's got this writer uh, that he's working with who wants to do nom stories. I said, fine, I do it. And that's basically the short version of the story. Had you any experience with war comics before? I know you did some G.I. Joe covers uh, quite a bit. Uh, well, other than that, I would have to say no. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that this was something I found randomly, and you had a post story you didn't hear the cask of Amontillado was yes. that something you, you chose you uh, did you ever do any other work on adapting well like for that? about three years this was done like so early I mean for mm-hmm. like three years I was working for both Marvel and DC well uh-huh. not even three years uh, maybe two years and both of the companies wanted me to work for them, but they didn't have anything for me to do, so they would feed me these anthology stories. I was, like, these these books for Marvel, over at DC, it was Tales of Mystery and uh, House of Secrets. And yeah. that so that's where those come from. Um, I, I'm an English teacher, and uh, after I found this, I, this this got passed around my department, and we had a, we had a blast reading through these, because uh, my yeah. friends who love to teach Poe, yeah. Really, really got to kick. No, out of this. I really, I always, I'm, I'm, I lament that neither, none of the companies do the anthology book magazines or books anymore, because they were great places to train artists and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also give you a flavor of everything. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, how many different artists are there in here? I think it's know, three, it's like three or four. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, same thing with Savage Tales. I mean, you know, it's like you have. A, a what, what would you call it? Uh, well, a, a, a subject matter. Yeah. You know, like okay, this is Poe, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have different creative people doing their takes on Poe. You know, this was 
you know, adolescent violence. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> and so you get a bunch of guys to do, yeah. you know, Rambo stories, yeah. you know, and and uh, I, you know, I, I always thought they were they were the perfect training ground for people, and they also gave it, like I said, they gave the people who liked those, you know, different takes on the exact same mm-hmm. subject matter. All right. Well, thank you very much. I don't want to hold up your line. No, no, here, we're good. It's a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Take thank care. you. And honestly, like with Louise Simonson, I swear I like find things to get her to sign <laughs> because she's like the nicest person. Like she signed. Um, I have that DC Cover Girls book. You know the one about. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I got it. Uh, I got the paperback at a Barnes and Noble for like. It's a coffee table book. I got the paperback version for like ten dollars at the discount rack at Barnes and Noble one year. So she signed my copy of that, um, and just like every year, if she's there and I have something, whether it's a Superman or like a fill-in she did on the Titans or something, I try to get her to sign something because she's just so very, very nice. And Brett took her his picture with both the Simonsons. Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually got to the Simonsons line when it was fairly short. So it was it was interesting because after me they then moved the line over to the side. Mm-hmm. So it, it was interesting because I I for Louise I got her to sign um, Superman the Man of Steel number fourteen, which is uh, Superman and Robin against the Vampire. Yes, which, that's the one Chris and Cindy just covered on the House of Franklin. Okay, stuff. yes, <laughs> and then I got both of them to sign. Uh, my X Factor comics, the the three Fall of the Mutants ones, uh, that she wrote and he drew, mm-hmm. and I hand them to Walt, right? And he pauses and says, "Hey, everyone, look! This guy has all three issues," and lays <laughs> them side by side and says, "And if you look in the background, it's one long background." <laughs> so you, he used me as an example. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Walt also signed all five of my Marvel Visionary Thor volumes, just because, what the heck? (laughs) I couldn't hurt to ask, you know? Uh, I did have him sign one specific Thor issue, which is number 355, and believe it or not, he did not draw it. It was a Sal Buscema issue that he wrote, Uh but it's one where you read it, if you know anything about the Norse lore, you read this issue and it's like he gets it. Hmm. it it's just it, this is a super deep dive into the Norse stuff, and he handles it perfectly. Uh, I also got him to sign my uh, Star Wars omnibus. Uh, thank you, Michael Bailey, because <laughs> he, he, he got it to me. Uh, because in there, issue number 59 of Star Wars is one that he drew, and it was also my first ever Star Wars comic, which I don't have anymore, but mm-hmm. I have this. And it's the one, uh, the title of it is Bizarre, where uh, Luke and Lando go to the junk planet, and they have to fight the big worm. Yeah, it's coming back to me. I've read yeah. the whole, I have all the Dark Horse omnibus editions and I've read them all it's yeah it it's just that one's always stuck with me mm-hmm. as because it's goofy mm-hmm. 
but it, it moves the story along and everything, but it's uh, volume three if you're looking for it. <laughs> my first my first Star Marvel Star Wars, if you believe it or not, not counting the Return of the Jedi adaptation, which I got in miniseries form, was 81, which is Jawas of Doom. Oh. It's the first post-Jedi yeah. issue. And I remember specifically, I bought it because it has this gorgeous painted Tom Palmer cover where like it looks like a movie poster because Han looks like Han and Luke you know so that that's mm-hmm. why that's why I remember just buying it at a stationery store when I was I must have been seven or something yeah so um, anybody else that you uh, got I managed to get um, Superman number oh, I think it's 296 signed by Elliot S. Magan. Oh, um, that's cool. My copy of Miracle Monday did not come in in time for me to get it signed. It was there when I got back home because I had ordered it off of Amazon. Um, 296 is the one. It's You'll know the cover when I describe it. Clark Kent is walking away from Superman, and it's a white background, and he's like, this is it, Clark Kent. Your double, Our double life is over. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know that. <laughs> yeah. So I had I had found that at a show that show a couple of years ago. So Elliot signed it, and there was another person there with me, and he he signed it very quickly, and then had to interview do an interview for somebody. But he did mention that he's been trying to goad Carrie Bates into coming to the convention. Ooh. And if he does, I'm all for that because I have so I have so many Superman issues that I thought that Elliot S. Magan wrote that no Carrie Bates wrote them and I'm like I it's just <laughs> and they're great issues I'm like I want to you know so so that was pretty cool Any, who else who else did you uh, were you well, able to get while I was waiting in the Simonson line my wife went and got uh, she had a, the Strangers in Paradise uh, Treasury yes. Edition. Mm-hmm. So she went down and got uh, Terry Moore to sign that. Yay, Terry Moore. And she got the four collected Liberty Meadows books signed by Frank Cho. And yeah. appara- she found out, apparently, he finally got the rights back to Liberty Meadows. Oh. Because okay. it, it was in litigation for a while, because with I guess, between him, his syndicate, and Image. Mm-hmm who actually owned it, but he finally got the rights back, and she she got a pen, uh, a brandy pen, <laughs> that my daughter considers obscene, because it's it's a, a floaty pen, uh-huh. so it's a picture of brandy, and her bikini bottoms are floating, so she's there bare butt. <laughs> mm. <laughs> she, Michelle showed it to Kira, and all Kira could say was, Ew! <laughs> Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I met Terry Moore again as well. I bought the complete Echo. Okay. It's just one of the series that I've never read. So, um, And I kept seeing the trades here and there and bins, and I was like, well, you know what? Let me just buy it directly from him. I never yeah. have a problem paying him full price for something because he's he's his own publisher. Um, uh, Michelle has, I want to say, the vast majority of those in single-issue form. Yeah. I have Strangers in Paradise in the original nineteen trades. Okay, that he did. So like the single trade, he would when he would do the single trades, and a lot of them I got in cheap bins because I borrowed them from a friend over the years, and then and then I eventually you know stock got my own versions. 
over the years, I've taken like two or three with me to the convention just to get him to sign them. So I think I'm like too shy of having all of those trades signed by Terry Moore. Oh, nice. um, he's always a pleasure to meet. And he's doing a, and now I don't know. There's a movie that's just been greenlit and he's working with, and I can't remember the name of the person he's working with, but he's really excited about that. And that announcement was made maybe about a week or two before the convention. And he's bringing back Strangers for its 25th anniversary. I don't know if it's in a limited capacity or, or, or how much he's doing, hmm. but in January, it's yeah, it's and it, in fact there was a, there was a little bit of a teaser advertisement in previews for it this past uh, in this past previews. So we'll have to be on the lookout for for that. So yeah, um, well. Um... Obviously, I got more Wolfman because we already talked about that. But one mm-hmm. one of the things I got him to sign was the DC Comics Presents Annual Number One with Superman and the Golden Age Superman, Superman, which is that was something that I actually got this issue at uh, the the Comic Con on Long Island. I can't forgot the name of it. Eternal Con. Eternal Con, uh, because we were there. And Scott Gardner, where I was just flipping through dollar bins, and I came across this, and he, he just grabbed my shoulder and said, buy that. <laughs> that so sounds I, like a very Scott Gardner thing to say. <laughs> so I figured, what the hell? I, I bought it. I liked it. Get Marvel's sign. I also got him to sign, um, let's see, uh, New Teen Titans number 30, number 28, Terra Issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, 43, which is the Judas Contract, and 47, which is basically the Titans get really pissed at Hive. I love that cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one of my all-time favorite <laughs> Titans covers. Um, I had him get... I got... Um, last time I saw him, I got, like, I was... The Crisis trade. My Crisis Tray cover, and, like, the Who's Donna Troy issue, and a couple other things more that were more personal signed. This time around with Marvel Wolfman, I went for... I went for the money books. Okay. Where I got five books. I got DC Comics Presents number 26, New Teen Titans number one and two. So the first New Teen Titans, the first three appearances of the New Teen Titans, including the first appearance of Deathstroke, and the New Teen Titans, the Baxter series uh, number one, as well as New Teen Titans number 39, which was the Robin and the one where they're walking away. Robin quits and you know right. and all that. So this was like me. Not not that I'm ever going to sell these books, but this was. Um, I now conveniently have all of these issues in trade mm-hmm. because I've been buying the reprint trades because they're some of them are New Teen Titans number two is probably the most valuable comic I own at this point. Because I don't have, you know, a lot of the... That's in, like, really, really great condition. So I'm like, well, I don't want to read this comic. Right. You know, like, so I have... So instead of... And it's hard to find a reading copy of that comic. So I found that I got the trade. So now I can just have it signed and let it sit in the long box. And, you know, it's valuable to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I did meet... Uh, the the other person was... It was it was interesting that... So um, I stood in line for Joe Staten... And uh, I was like two or three people deep to him, so I, I, I waited. But I hope Larson was next to him, and I struck up a conversation with her, and she currently writes Batgirl. Okay. Much to Stella's chagrin. <laughs> and and so I didn't have anything for her to sign, 
but she was selling um, she was selling a a trade that she wrote not a trade I'm sorry a graphic novel legitimately a graphic novel um, that she wrote called Goldie Vance which is kind of like a Nancy Drew type of thing and Brett found it interesting so I was like okay and so she signed it for him and then um, and then I and then I got uh, I think I bought the latest issue of Batgirl which was the one that uh, as of this recording my most recent appearance on Batgirl the Oracle was the one I covered. So I went ahead and I just paid cover price for that and, and she signed it, which is very pleasant. But then I, you know, I, I, I texted Stella. I was like, you know, she's like, what did you say to her? I said, well, I was polite. But then I um, I got Joe Staten and Michael Golden both signed that issue of Batman Family that I had brought to back to the bins months ago. Because um, Staten drew the Huntress in that issue, right. and and I I talked to him about how much I like the Huntress, but I also talked to him about um, uh, about a couple other things, mainly uh, Guy Gardner. Oh, okay. And, and his costume design for Guy Gardner. But I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I've always loved this costume on Guy Gardner. Was this something you designed, or was that prior to? No, this is this is my design. Okay. What went into uh, what gave you the idea of the jacket and the, instead of the because I think at that time weren't the Green Lanterns just uh, yeah uh, Guy is the first one to have anything other than the leotard. Mm-hmm. I mean, either even the aliens and the plants all had some version of the leotard. Yeah. So the idea with Guy is this is what he does. This is what Guy designed when he came out of his coma. Oh, okay. he'd, he'd been you know totally blank for years and so the real guy emerged at that point who was you know kind of a kind of the belligerent uh, bully sort of guy and you know th- this was supposed to pick up on that so it, this this just looks more brutal mm-hmm. than, than your standard uh, lantern skin uh, and then after after guy had his own uh, his own costume um, we, we changed a bunch of the other uh, other ones, uh, uh, you know, Salak and Aresia, mm-hmm. and, and after that it was just open. Because, yeah. You know, this, this, this started it. Great. Uh, thank you very much. I, I really, like I said, this has always been one of my favorite Green Lantern costumes. Oh, thank you. But I also bought a Wonder Woman print because he was selling those like eight and a half by eleven like prints or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think they weren't very expensive, so I bought. Um, and he signed it for my wife Amanda. So now she has, she will have in her office because I'm gonna get it framed from her in her office. Uh, in addition to a bunch of Wonder Woman pop figures, she will have this Joe Staten. Uh, it's the Golden Age costume Wonder Woman. Uh, a Wonder Woman print that. I had bought and had signed off of um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. And a convention sketch that he did for me at the convention of Wonder Woman from George Perez. Nice. Yeah, so it's her office has some really cool Wonder Woman stuff. So um, so I was pretty psyched about that because I do try to get my wife something like really cool. And then I got her a Gossamer um, pop figure because <laughs> it was really cool. Um, uh, I had Barry Kitson sign. So yeah, Joe Staten signed the two loose leaf who's who Guy Gardner entries. And I oh, nice. Barry Kitson did the Firehawk one, mm-hmm. which if you've ever seen that one, it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to post these pictures of these to the uh, show notes. It's 
absolutely gorgeous. So I, I think I, that. I think I might have that. Yeah. I know I have some of the the loose leaf yeah. in here somewhere. But I, I was actually, I went to Joe Staten as well. I got him mm-hmm. to sign my uh, All Star Comic Showcase because he did all of the artwork in that. Mm-hmm. And I had my uh, greatest Batman stories ever told. So I got him to sign the autobiography of Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I have that too, but my copy is so beat up from years and years of reading it. <laughs> yeah, mine, surprisingly enough, for something that's almost 30 years old, it's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's funny because where he signed it is on the second page of the story, which is where Commissioner Gordon is waiting for Batman. Yes. And he's holding the box with the Scarecrow doll. He signed it on the box. Nice. So it looks like Gordon is holding a box of Joe State. I will say that um, those who, who, who's who loosely things, they're great to have signed. Because oh, yeah. they're so old, they're random. A few people, like, um, I had Brian Stelfreeze once sign hit the Catwoman one, and like you know, and then Mark Wade wrote like half of them. So basically, you can plop a pile of them. Down. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually i I lucked out with Wade too because oh, really? I was I was wandering around and I was like, oh, Mark Wade, he'll be signing in half an hour. There's only four people in line. Okay, oh, cool. I'm number five. <laughs> and, but I only had a couple things. I I had him sign my Absolute Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. because it's Kingdom Come, and the Flash 1991 annual. Is that the Armageddon 2001? Yes, it is. And I had a little discussion with him, and we both agree that is the happy ending that Wally actually deserves. I have to I have to recollect those, because I bought it when I came out, and then I sold it in an auction a billion years ago. Um, yeah. That's one of the few... I mean, I've got all the Superman ones. Yeah. And I've got that one. And then I've got Armageddon 2001 numbers 1 and 2. I don't have any of the other tie-ins. I have the Titans one still, and that was the only one that I um, that I held on to. So I'm going to have to... But I remember I, that was my first crossover that I got live, so to speak. And, right. Uh, I really... I, 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 have a, I have a place in my heart for Armageddon 2001. I really like that story. And I do yeah. remember liking that Flash annual... Yeah, that because that's it's a really good story, and it's it's happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not like Superman going completely nuts after Lois dies and referring to himself in the third person and all this. And yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a happy story. And and yeah. speaking of happy stories, another annual I got signed was Blue, Blue Devil Annual Number One by Paris Collins. Cool. And he he's a fun guy to talk to, and as we were chatting, he did a quick Blue Devil sketch on the cover. Nice. That was uh, I've met him before, also at Eternal Con. But yeah, he's he's a real fun guy to talk to. He got so much energy. <laughs> um, I had the opportunity. Did you meet? Um, since I was standing in line to meet Jerry, I did. By um, I did peruse his daughter's table and I bought a comic off of her and she signed it just because, you know, again, trying to support younger mm-hmm. talent and stuff. <laughs> uh, the Elvis Adventures was the one I bought. I have yet to read it, but it looks pretty funny. Um, kind of Elvis Presley as a superhero, so to speak. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Brett was pretty psyched to get all those amulet 
graphic novels and get them signed and Kazukibushi drew characters in them as he said so um, yeah that was most of my signings there were a couple that I really the, you know, I have two minor regrets of not being able to get signatures because um, although these people do appear a, a few of the people that I missed have made multiple appearances over the years I want to say that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez praise be his, praise name, be his name was a scratch at the last minute or they moved his table because I could not find him I didn't even look for him. I figured it was going to be a bit too much to try and get him. He was... Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. One year I was there, the line was around the corner. One year I was there, I was a couple people deep. And one time I went there and I was able to just walk up to him. So it it, it depends. Um, He was supposed to be right in that corner where Marv Wolfman and Michael Golden were. Okay. And Sean Chan ended up there, but I don't know if they moved Jose or, or what... Um, I wanted to meet Todd Klein again, uh, mainly because I, I, I did, I wanted to go to his panel about lettering, but I didn't get a chance to go to it because we just mm. got sidetracked, but I did want to ask him a few questions about just lettering comics. And I always do love to get, I love to go as deep as I possibly can mm-hmm. on the signatures of the books if I really, really like the book. Like, for instance, he all, he signed my kingdom, all four issues of Kingdom Come. Oh, cool. As did Mark Wade, And, um, or for instance, Louise Simonson last year signed my copy of um, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men New Teen Titans, which Walt had signed mainly because she was the editor on the book. And I said, well, you edited this book, will you sign it for me? So, like, you know, if I can, if there's a creator credit on it, I will try to get the signature if I really, really love the book. Um, and, uh, but Todd was not at his table whenever I walked by and the other one, and it's, a, it's, I know it, it's, it's totally, it is co- technically a comic creator, but I have a, it was a record store day, um, promo or, or special thing that you bought. And I got it off eBay last year. I have on vinyl Christmas and Hollis by run DMC and Daryl DMC McDaniels was at the show. But every time I went to his booth, he wasn't there. So I wanted to get the record signed. And I, and I would have bought a comic, one of his comics, and gotten that signed too. But I did not get to meet DMC. Um, I would have punked down like the $20, $30 for that. And maybe if they do decide to bring him back again next year or something or in the future, I'll do that. But in the very least, I've got Christmas and Hollis on vinyl. So that, that would have been fun. But I, I regret. Was there anybody you, you did not? you were not able to get or uh, or or had to scratch because of um because i know jerry conway was originally supposed to appear and then he was a cancellation right which was he, kind of a he, bummer yeah he was one of the ones i scratched off the list um I, i'm trying to think because most of i i tried not to go too uh too big with the list initially mm-hmm. But no, I think we got everything because you know a couple of the ones like I said were for my wife that she because I like Liberty Meadows I've never read Strangers in Paradise but I know she really loves them so it's okay here you can take care of it no problem mm-hmm. um, no I, I want to say I got pretty much everybody that that I I wanted to which was uh, a nice first outing really. Uh, especially considering the the fun stuff that happened Sunday morning, <laughs> which you missed. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, so, 
Well, let's let's get to that now because the only other thing okay. I, I really, uh, we we'll talk a little bit about meeting uh, meeting Darren and Ruth Sutherland, right? Uh, which we did when we were at the kids thing, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, I, I want to talk to me about Sunday because the only other thing I want to talk about basically is the comics we bought. So okay, um, that's not as exciting. <laughs> well, the con opened officially at 10 a.m. on Sunday, so we went down early, and they were letting people in early. And I would say we were in there about 9.30, and we're wandering around. It's like, okay, well, let's. we didn't get over to this area last, yesterday. Let's see what's over there. And it's like, okay, there's dollar bins there. I want to come back. Yeah, there's this over here we want to come back to, stuff like that. And we're back by the, where the Simonsons were. And you know where that um, the one food stand was back there? Yes. Uh, the... The bakery or whatever the mm-hmm. heck it was. Yeah, yeah, it was right next to the Jerry Ordway loading zone. Right. So Kira tugs on my my arm and says, "Daddy, fire!" I look back and there's flames in there. <sighs> ah. Next thing we know, beep beep beep. Everyone, please calmly exit the convention center. <laughs> it was an actual fire. <laughs> Uh, but what I think happened is that the fire prevention system on the, the, the hood took care of it, but everyone had to go out. Yeah. Fire engine comes in and you will not believe these people. The, the convention goers, right? You go out the main doors and there's can volunteers there. Everyone stay back 50 feet. We need to clear the entrances back 50 feet. They're standing right there. (laughs) Every five seconds. No, go back further and all this. Okay, well, the fire engine shows up. And they, the fire, uh, firefighters go in. They're checking everything out. And they're, you know how in the main entrance you have that little pull-off area? Yeah. Right in front? Yeah. Well... That's where the fire engine's sitting. Mm-hmm. And while all this is going on, apparently there's a van behind them that is a touch impatient. Oh, jeez. He pulls around the fire engine, slams in his mirror into the side of it, and takes off. Oh. Runs a red light, but stops at the next one. Which is where the cop got him. <laughs> People Because the cops are just... The cops are sitting right, right there. there. <laughs> You're in you downtown more. Baltimore. Where are you going to go? Uh, uh, so, we were outside, I would say, for about an hour. Before oh, they started letting people back in. Yeah, well, it's... It was a little on the warm side. And I'm still nursing a sprained ankle, so that was no fun. Mm. But eventually we got back in. They they let the the vendors in first. Then they let the VIPs in, and then eventually everyone got in. But it was I, I gotta say the the volunteers made sure everyone knew what was go going on when they were expecting to go back in. So no one was upset except for the van driver. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it, they it was handled very well. And we eventually got back in, but that that bakery area that was closed all day. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, you know, after that, it was, you know, I, I was asking myself, why do we get here early again? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, so we, um, uh, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's like that, like Murphy's Law, basically, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, but, yeah, it, it wasn't horrible, it's not like the entire thing burned down. Yeah, and, yeah. And no, unlike the Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, no one walked away with stuff they weren't supposed to have. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> um, so we did get the chance. Uh, so about halfway through the convention, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, text Stella texts me and says, "You know, the Sutherlands are there," and um, I don't even know if you were there yet. And uh, so I went. I said, how do you know? And she said they posted to, like, Twitter or Instagram or something, because they posted something. So I found them on... I saw it on Twitter. I direct messaged them, and I don't remember which one of them handles the Twitter account. I want to say it was probably Ruth. Uh, I think it was Ruth. But um, but I said, hey, we're here. You know, and so t- private messaging over Twitter back and forth, because I didn't have a text uh, phone cell phone number for them. Mm-hmm. Uh Eventually, at around four o'clock, you, me, Michelle, Kara, Brett, were all at the Building a Better Bat Cave uh, right. design fun thing, and I oh, I love how they run those kids things where they they make it really straightforward and they try to be as excited as possible and as silly as possible with their mm. presentation, and and the the kids were the kids do get into it. Brett was building this whole thing with the wood brick pizza oven and all this other stuff. And we're there, and all of a sudden, like, here come this. And we, we had, I let them know that this is where we're going to be, and all of a sudden, here come the Sutherlands. And, like, you know, so and I had never met either of them. I don't know if you had. I, I've spoken to them. I've never actually met them. This was my first time. Yeah, so it was really nice because they're incredibly nice people. Oh, yeah. Um, that's where you spotted the cosplay guy, or we spotted the cosplay guy dressed as uh, Kirk from. Um, the motion Star Trek picture. motion picture. The only one of those pajama uniforms that I like. I gotta agree with you. Yeah. It, it, it's a very sharp uniform. And actually, the next day, I saw someone dressed as uh, Tim Allen from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, I will, I will stand by. I, I, I think motion picture is an underrated movie. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> it's. It's it's got its flaws. Oh, I, I I can't I cannot argue with that. It, it does is, have its flaws. And but. I think I may have written you or Scott. I don't remember what it was after watching your show, or listening to your show. But I rewatched the movie because my sister got me the Blu-ray set for Christmas one year, mm-hmm. and I did mention that seeing it in widescreen for the first time after twenty something years really made the movie better because. You get the scope of V'ger a lot better than on the old pan and scan. Oh DVD, yeah, VHS I, that I had. I really wish that in in two years' time that they re-release it in theaters for That'd the 40th cool. anniversary. Because I I want to see that on the big screen. Yeah, that, that would just be amazing. That would be pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, so it was it was really really nice to meet them, and then um. We parted ways after that because Brad and I stuck around for maybe another hour, a little bit after five o'clock. We left, uh, but we wanted to do some shopping ourselves because mm-hmm. we had we had done 
we had gotten um see we had done some shopping we had bought pop figures for uh myself my wife and him um he ended up with uh who lapis from uh from Steven Universe I bought the Super Friends edition of Batman nice which is, which is a really nice pop figure uh, and my wife got Gossamer, and then a friend, her, his, her friend's daughter wanted a Wonder Woman pop, and they had one from the movie that was pretty reasonable. It was it was pretty cheap, so I got that. And then we both, Brett and I both bought poster uh, t-shirts and posters, and he got a Link poster, and I got a Princess Bride movie poster. Mm-hmm. So we brought all that back to the car, but we were now like, okay, we're going to buy comics. Um, and I know you did a fair bit of shopping. I find going year to year, there are years where I walk away where I find like a $5 trade bin or a, or a cheap trade bin, and I walk away with what's got to be about 100 bucks worth of trades for like not a lot of money. Uh-huh. And then there are years, and this year was the opposite, where I walk away with 50 to $75 worth of books, or like 50 to 75 almost like 100 comics, which I paid 50 cents to a dollar for, and maybe a couple of trades, and that's what happened. I bought the Echo trade off of Terry Moore for full price, and then there was a half-price trade place, um, it might have been $5, where I bought the Brian Michael Bendis uh, series Jinx, as I have, um, out of his original ones that he did, his indie ones, where he there were, there was Fire, Goldfish, Jinx, and there was Torso, and there was Fortune and Glory, which I don't have, but I have Torso and I have Goldfish, and I need Fire and Jinx, so Jinx was, it's like a crime noir, crime thriller thing. It was actually some of the better Bendis that I've read over the years, so I, I finally picked that up. But otherwise, I just, we just raided, we found the one dollar, there was a dollar bin place that we've got, that I've gone to for years. And why do I keep coming back to them? Because they're They're, organized. They are organized. (laughs) Now, I don't need you to put everything in number order, guys. I don't need... I don't need... I don't need to see, like, Fantastic Four number 402 and then 3 and 4, whatever. All I ask is that the A's are with the A's and the B's are the B's and the C's are the C's. And if 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 I see Superman and then there's a bunch of Swamp Things and there's some more Superman, that's fine. I'll go through the S's looking through the stuff, but if you're, if I, and I realize it's cheap and I realize it's probably a pain in the ass to put it together, but man, if your bins aren't organized at a show like that, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I, I went to, I bought at two boots, mm-hmm. both dollar bins, both in order, you know, and these, these guys were exceptional because they had, they were in title order. So it wasn't, necessarily numerical but all the Fords yeah. were together all the supermans were together etc yeah. we might have gone to the same booth it was like called comics and games or comics and cards or something i have their business right. card and they're they're out of northern virginia and i might go up there because the guy was describing how he's got an entire room full of dollar bins mm-hmm. and i was just like please stop <laughs> <laughs> well the one the one i went to it was two for a dollar so there were 50 oh, cent books that's nice. uh, but then there were at least three others that I would flip through and it's like, okay, different publishers, different eras, different letters in the mm-hmm. title. Yeah. All mixed together. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't have that much time. You yeah. want my business. You got to do a little bit of work. 
Now, I and, and this is not to disparage our families, our traveling companions. Had I been solo, or maybe with you, mm. just you and me, I would have had a little more patience with that sort of thing. Because it's, I mean, it's crowded. But if it's just you solo in the crowd and you've got your list or you've got your list in your head, you might take a little bit of time. But I got a kid with me, and he's flipping through the bins too. But we're both, it's getting late, we're both getting a little hungry, we both want to get on the road. It's like, you know, I know what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. and I'll go look for it. So you're right. But yeah, I'm, I'm more likely to stop and spend the time at your booth if, if you alphabetize your stinking comics. <laughs> it, I, I understand it takes time, but that res- directly results in sales. Mm-hmm. So as, as Professor Allen would say, <laughs> you gotta take, spend a little time to make some money. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what are the highlights of the sub? Because I bought, I, I real, I plunked down basically like, I mean, I, I save up over the course of the entire year. I take uh, every payday. I take like twenty, thirty dollars out of the bank. I just throw it aside. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I try to bring as much cash so that I don't have to go to the credit card too often. Right. Um, yeah, I, I did not use my credit card at all. Yeah. This I, I used it at the t-shirt place. Okay. Um, which which is the style and online t-shirt place because I was just like you know yeah I'll buy us both t-shirts. But other than that yeah I, I and to buy lunch but you know that's different. Um, but yeah I plunked down like a good I'd say sixty bucks and just went to town. Um, any any highlights that you that you got? Well, all the ones I got I have a list that I'm going off of of all of the uh, appearances of Quasar in Marvel Comics because. That's the kind of guy I am. Mm-hmm. So I, I went through and I got a bunch of Avengers, Thor, Captain America, uh, some Mar- I got two of the Marvel two and ones I needed to finish the Pro- Project Pegasus storyline. Uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, but some of these Quasar is just in a panel, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's in it, and that's what I'm looking for. But I, I want to say probably the the highlight would be. Uh, Captain America 383, which is the 50th anniversary Captain America. Okay, issue. cool. So that that one I have yet to read, but you know it's it it looks good. But this is also the the era of the Avengers I like, which is the the early 90s version of the team. Um, yes, they do get brown coats <laughs> at one point in here. Yes, they do. <laughs> I had the blood ties crossover. That's what broke me. <laughs> that and but, Fatal Attractions. I was like, nope. Yeah, so I, I ended up, I got 24 issues for $17. Nice, nice. So not not quite Professor Allen level, but that's the best I could do with that show. Yeah. I um, I There's a point where I have, like, where I... I, I will find the stuff that's on my list, and then at some point I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm just gonna look for something that looks interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I bought a couple of really old issues of our Army at War featuring Sergeant Rock. Oh, cool! You know, because you know that's and that part. Luke Jack and Eddie deserves some credit for that. <laughs> um, so, because I was just like, you know, again, at a dollar, a 60s, 70s era, I think it was early 70s era war comic, I'm like, you go for it. Like, there was a couple of random issues of Commandy that were in there. There weren't Kirby issues, but they were later ones, but I was like, why not? 
the first 12 issues are like Eric, Son of Thunder. Like, some of these things, oh. Arian, the Immortal, like, I'm like, well, some Sword and Sorcery stuff that looks interesting to me at a dollar fifty cents a book where I was, I'll go for it. Um, Brett picked out Spectacular Spider-Man number 200 because it's got a hollow, not a hollow foil, a foil cover of Spider-Man Phoenix fighting the Green Goblin. And the guy at the booth goes... Let me tell you something about an era called the 90s. <laughs> and I looked straight at him. I said, oh, I started collecting in 1990. I was there, man. I was there. It was a pretty funny little moment. But Brett bought it. And then, um, but he found, we were at a, we went to the dollar one and we went to the 50, a 50 cent one a little bit later. And we found a box, short box or whatever, Full of, he just started pulling out all these Superman and Superman families in action and world finest from like the late Bronze Age. Ooh. And he's like, "Can I get these?" I was like, "Go for it." And I, the funny thing was is that there was like two ninety seven and like a couple of right around there, which I had two ninety six. So I I um I grabbed a couple more. Um, because I was like, "Well, I actually have a couple issues before this, and it would be cool to read the story." Mm-hmm. Um. And then I found all four issues of that Phantom Zone miniseries. Oh, really? From the early eighties, cool. yeah. So I grabbed that. Um, I finished out my. This is no big accomplishment in life, but I finished the. Two, I was missing two issues of the nineteen eighty six Aquaman miniseries. You know the the one with the blue camo. Yes. So it was a gorgeous. I just read it the other night. It was, it's gorgeous. Um, so I finished that out. Um, I bought the one issue of Who's Who Update 87 that I was missing. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> V the comic book. Because <laughs> Andy and I had covered that one issue, and ever since then, if I see it in a bin, I've been grabbing it. So I bought like three or four issues of that. <laughs> Again, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to finish out my Secret Origins run. And so I, I was able to pad a little bit about that out. So it was just a lot of like you know me grabbing random things and the Eric. Um, oh, and and some Tom, uh, not Tom Lyle. Well, Tom Lyle was the artist. Some Will Payton Starman. Okay. Because I'm gonna I I have a couple issues and I grabbed a couple issues more, and I'm gonna start going into my LCS and because I get um, since I'm a member a subscriber at my local comic shop I have a pull list. All DC and Marvel back issues, if they're not of recent back stock, like all vintage back issues, so to speak, that mm-hmm. are not, that are either not bronze and silver, like they're not in special bins because they're really expensive or they're at wall commerce. They're all 50 cents. So anything from like the 90s and 80s from DC, I can flip through the bins and I can, I'll pay 50, I get 50 cents an issue. So I'm going to go back there and then see if I can start filling out the runs. Oh, and I got like, Three of the last four issues of Vigilante. Oh, okay. Which are not easy to come by. And I hear so many good things about that series. And I'm familiar with the character because of the New Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. That it's a 50-issue run. Now, 50 is going to be hard to come by. Because it's very famous. And there's a couple of Alan Moore issues. Oh, That are a little bit hard to come by. But other than that, I think I should be able to get most of the first half of the run pretty cheap. So, But yeah, like I said, it was just after a while, I just started finding random stuff. And I was like, this looks like fun. Put it on the pile. Because (laughs) that, to me, is the fun of going to this show. That you just start discovering titles that you might have seen in a bin or you might have seen online or whatever. And you're like, oh, maybe I should get that or... I don't want to buy that trade or whatever, but like at a dollar a book, 50 cents a book, I'll buy a year's worth of a 
you know, a, a fantasy comic from DC just because if I'm out <laughs> 10 bucks or whatever it is, that's no big deal. Right, you, you're not losing much, yeah. really. Yeah, I, I, the only other things, well, uh, Kira got some stuff at the kids' area. Like, she got the uh, the uh, trade for the Piggy, the super dog with three legs uh-huh. uh, comic. So she got that signed by the artist and the, the writer. And we went to the one area. You may have seen it. The uh, comic dealer that was selling these mystery boxes. Oh, um, yeah. Not um, not the one right at the, at the front. Oh, see, that's the one we went to. No, this is that one Brett that opened in the last episode. <laughs> this was a mystery box of manga and anime. Ooh. So it was six mangas, random, a random DVD of anime, and a random um, Japanese music CD. Interesting. And because Kira, I've been getting her into anime, and she's actually gotten manga out of the school library, which hmm. I found amazing but no problem so we i i got two of those boxes and we opened them when we got home and it's going through as oh okay i've seen anime of this manga so that should be interesting as i've never heard of this before so it's it's an interesting way to discover this stuff because it's not super prevalent in south jersey you know yeah yeah, yeah. so it, I we haven't watched the animes yet, so I don't know what what quality. I I didn't really need to look up the titles before I pop the DVDs in. Yeah, you you, you end up uh, with stuff like that. Well, that's the thing with Brett, where he's he he's become pretty versed in like what is appropriate to his age mm-hmm. as he's sifting through comic book back issues and. Uh, Usually he'll he'll ask me every once in a while, and uh, I'll be like yes, yes, no. <laughs> but you know, if it's an old like I like you know, Superman's a safe bet. Batman before a certain point's a safe bet, right? You know, and and so the superhero stuff like last year he grabbed all these Fantastic Fours, you know that that's sort of from the seventies and eighties. So you know that that sort of thing um, is always safe. But I know I know what you mean. It's like you know I just want to look this up a little bit just to make sure that I'm not like you know accidentally exposing you to, like, you know, hentai porn or something. (laughs) What is going on here? Um, Luckily, most of... All the mangas on the back, which would be the front to us in mm -hmm. the U.S., had a rating on it. Oh, very cool. So I was able to look through as, okay, um, that's for adults. No. Yeah. It's not porn. It's just mature themes. Yes, yes. Um, Not DC mature, actual mature. <laughs> and some of it was teen, and she's nine, but she's you know she's reading kind of up there, and I mean really she watched Sailor Moon. That's all about teen angst. So Brett's the same way, where you know he's been reading above his level for years, and we've been trying to find things for him to read that are there, but also mm-hmm. that are not inappropriate. So there's a lot of fantasy stuff gone his way. He's reading A Wrinkle in Time right now. So like that sort of that sort of stuff he, he's going with. But you're right. Like you get up there with some of it, and 
you know, he's starting to understand some of the teen angst stuff, but at the same time, it's just like he's still watching Teen Titans go every once in a while. So right, yeah, Kira is the same way. She'll she'll shift between watching something that's like uh, probably three years ahead of her to going back to oh, this is cute. I want to watch that. Exactly, exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> Brett's, Brett's only a year older. He's ten, so mm-hmm. you know, and he's a pretty he's young for ten because he's, his birthday's in July. So he's he's always on the younger side. Um, one one last story I have before we before we wrap up. Um, when I was in line for Jerry Ordway, um, he's he was drawing a Superman for somebody, and then he was about to sign some books, and I hear uh, you. I heard a woman with uh, with a New York accent say, you know, hey Jerry, hello, and um, it was Mindy Newell, who uh, is a, a writer and artist who did, uh, in the mid-80s, she did, I believe she did a Lois Lane uh, miniseries about okay. in the very mid-80s or whatever, and, and I know I've got a couple of her comics here and there. So as we had gotten Jerry's signature and we were walking away, and I saw her and I, I walked up to her, I just said, I, you know, I said, I, I, I didn't know you were going to be here, but I, you know, I said, I, so I don't have anything you know, that I would ask your signature for, but I just wanted to, you know, shake your hand and say, you know, it's a pleasure to meet you because I, you know, she's like, I can't, you know, she, she was surprised. She was there with like her daughter or granddaughter or somebody mm. who was dressed as Link. And <laughs> Brett got a picture with, with the, with the, with her. And she, uh, she said, well, you know, thank you. I didn't know if anybody would recognize me. I said, no, no, I, I've got, I've had a few of your comics. And then I saw her later on. She said, you know, that made my morning. I said, well, th- I, I was like, okay, you know, I just wanted to introduce myself. So it was, it was very, it was a nice little run in for somebody who like, you know, had she not said her name again, these people are her, you know, you don't know, you don't necessarily know unless, right. <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'm, Pretty much gonna say probably I'll probably be there next year. Um, I uh, like I said I'm gonna probably cut my creator signing list down to five or less. Mm-hmm. It'll give me less to carry. It'll give me more time to um, shop, and it will maybe get me in, get me into a panel or two more, depending on what they what they have. Um, God, I wish I could get just like I I have no idea how to propose a panel. Comics podcasting, you know, like where's the because they do cosplay panel after cosplay panel after cosplay panel. I have no idea how to propose a panel. Maybe that's something I should email when I have to email Randy to to slur to uh, to tell him, hey, here's another link to this episode. Maybe I'll float it. I don't know. Yeah. And if I can get a couple of people involved, I'll get back to you on it. Okay. I'll, let, I'll let you guys know if I, if I could because that would be really really cool to host a panel. I've never hosted a panel or or been in a I've sat in the audience. Okay, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I've, been, I've been I've been on a couple panels. I've never been on a panel, um, mainly because of Star Trek conventions. Ah, so like yeah. um, we I we were on one panel which was about making fan films, and mm. that's I was involved in that for a while. So it's, uh, but yeah, I mean if if that comes out even if it just ends up being live from baltimore comic-con it's, it's yeah it's raffa david yeah <laughs> um but uh but yeah so um 
so yeah, so I, I I'm I enjoyed. It. I had a good time, um, and I'm glad I, we we got to met. I'm glad that you guys seem to have a really really good time too, because you know you always like to. I always like to spread the word because, and as you and I have both pointed out, it's actually a comic convention. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it it, yeah. it was fun. Uh, the, our whole family had a great time, which is uh, something that really stands out. It's not just for the hardcore comic geeks. Everybody can have have a fun time here, which is yeah, it's not something you can say about everything. Yeah, and uh, the highlight was not the donuts and burgers for my child, <laughs> although he was really pumped for the donuts and the burgers. Although he didn't get the donut until the next day because it was just late, but we went to the there's a Krispy Kreme in Ale- we stop off in Alexandria, Virginia to avoid a lot of Beltway traffic. And there's a Krispy Kreme and a Five Guys. And it's one of the original Five Guys locations. Aha! Because that's one of the things that when I remember um, when they started going like all over the place and franchisingly crazy, well, I moved down to Arlington in 1999. And one of the guys, I was in training for my job, and one of the guys in line said, you know, you're new to the area. I said, yeah, he's like, you've got to go to this burger place. It's called Five Guys. And they hadn't been open for very long and like it was the type of at the time like you'd go to some of these the place on like a sunday or whatever and the line would be out the door i mean it was it was a local thing and now it's like there's like two in charlottesville you know so it's it's uh, it's pretty we go to one up right around the corner from us all the time um and the Krispy Kreme, of course but you know he fell asleep in the car on the way back to my in-laws which rarely happens anymore so it was like (laughs) I, i tired the kid out i was pretty proud of that um, but to wrap us up, uh, and take us home, uh, why don't you tell everyone who doesn't know already where they can find you? Well, the, the most consistent place to find me currently is at my blog, which is the hammerstrikes.com, uh, geeky post every Thursday, sometimes long, sometimes short, always random. So people listening to the show should be pretty, uh, conversant in that as far as podcasts unfortunately right now i am only doing guest appearances because my wife is working (laughs) and and our you know the schedules are not conducive to me sitting in a room and editing stuff so I get to do the fun part, which is the call, and not the annoying part. <laughs> Although, <laughs> eventually, I will get back to it. It's just that right now, uh, work and family are more important than hobby. And I'm yeah. sure that you can appreciate that. Oh, yes. Oh, trust me. And uh, But I would recommend to the listeners out there who haven't listened to your show, your one of your very first episodes was Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes, that was with with scott gardner yeah that was in that was a while ago it was in december of 2014 yeah because it was for the 35th anniversary yeah i still recommend going to listen to that because it was it it will make you want to watch the movie again and Um, uh, that is also the one i am the most proud of because it's the one that i actually scored the episode yeah i've done that I've it's not scored easy. only if yeah oh no I've only scored a few choice episodes here and there it's not easy to score an episode mm. I don't know how some of these guys do it all the time and um, the other one I would recommend is 
uh, two, one Excalibur. Oh, again. With, with Luke Jack and Eddie. Yeah, that was an enjoyable episode. And then you did one, and I don't know if it's still up, and I hope it is, because I do. I have listened to it a couple of times, where you read A Christmas Carol. And it, it, that is still up. That's that actually the, the same month as the Star Trek Motion Picture. Okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, um, go out and check out Gene's blog, and um, I will be back in probably a week or two, a week or two, uh, with, with um, I'm kind of piling them on in October. I've got two more episodes for October. One at the end of the month will be a horror movie with Michael Bailey, uh, which you guys will, will hear probably right around Halloween as part of, the, as the thing that will close out uh, what I'm calling, with apologies to WPIX New York, Shocktober, and uh, there there will be reviews on the site all month of various horror movies that are completely random that I just picked at random. Uh, as of this recording, Rosemary's Baby was posted, and then there, I believe, the next one is It Follows, I think. I think that was the next one that I wrote. Um, and that will probably, it follows, will probably be posted by the time this episode comes out. And, but next episode, before the episode, the horror movie episode I do, I will be doing my recap of the summer, specifically my trip to Universal Studios Orlando. And um, I have some stuff that I recorded with Brett, and I have some stuff that I recorded with Amanda, and you guys can see that in a couple weeks. Until then, check out the blog for show notes, the Facebook group, the Twitter feed, which is at popaff, P-O-P-A-F-F. You can message me, email me, and uh, and hopefully um, I'll get around to reading whatever feedback I might get on the show in, in a future episode. Until then, thanks for listening. And take care. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review at illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness.